From the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, this is Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. Injured in Georgia? Make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Injury Insider is presented by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs. Hello and welcome to Injury Insider with Derek Hayes on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. This show will answer legal questions and debunk personal injury myths with insight and expertise. For 25 years, Derek Hayes has exclusively represented injured parties in Georgia. Now he'd like to put that knowledge to work for you. My name is Lita Brooks, and it's my pleasure to introduce the star of the show, Derek Hayes. Good morning, Derek. Good morning. Good to be here again. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good. We have exciting news. But before we get to that, a quick reminder that Injury Insider is brought to you by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs, and by the law office of Derek M. Hayes. Injured in Georgia, make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Can we start right away by talking about the exciting news sure we can do it what did we do yesterday so yesterday we started moving uh furniture and some equipment into the new office space in downtown watkinsville georgia yay so it's a county county new office second office second office right you're not physically moving out of lawrenceville georgia but we're adding an additional office to the law firm expansion correct correct so the uh, the the Watkinsville location is in downtown Watkinsville. As I said, it's it's the county seat for a, a county county. It's a block away from the courthouse. So, my office in downtown Lawrenceville, Georgia, is also a block away from the courthouse. Something about attorneys, we all have to feel real close to the courthouse. Well, that's true. We because can walk. You're in an office complex right now with mm-hmm. other attorneys of different. You have what, a divorce attorney. Um, do criminal do, defense. Criminal yeah. defense. Yeah, so everybody's it's, right it's there. It's a whole row full of attorneys. And, yeah. and likewise, in Watkinsville and downtown, there's primarily nothing but attorneys right, right. there. So <laughs> right. We gravitate to each other and we gravitate to courthouses for some reason. Nice. Well, I'm very excited. And I am extremely excited, A, because I'm doing the physical work on the office as an interior designer. Maybe people don't list, know that about me, that I'm here, I'm the host of the show, but my background has nothing to do with law. I am on the show to represent everyone else and answer the questions, and we use your expertise to get those answers, but by trade, I'm an interior designer. Uh, I graduated from the University of Georgia in 2000, so I've been doing this over 20 years, so I get to make your office look fantastic yeah and the tough thing is as a bama grad how do i get all that alabama stuff in and downtown watkinsville which is you would immediately oh, it's, lose it's extremely close Somebody to asked university me that of georgia too. they said does he keep that under wraps so people don't because there are people i think that would probably say no in, sorry you're a bama grad right yes that would say i'm gonna find uh, a uga grad I, you're you're exactly right i know we have to keep that under mm. wraps um but yes we are uh even at home, I'm having a hard time figuring out what to do with all the memorabilia <laughs> that you have. So anyway, <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. And if you need to know about how the blending and how I'm trying to decorate with all this, we have another show uh, where we talk design, we talk lifestyle, we talk blending. We don't do a lot of that here on Injury Insider, but we do on Status Life. With yeah, Nita. and I get to host your show. I know. We sit on each other. I host and sponsor yours. Likewise, you host and sponsor mine. We're such a dynamic couple. Yeah, they wanted I've to put that. us on air together. <laughs> yes. 
All right. Well, let's jump into your show. So, a few shows ago, you started a series about what to expect in a personal personal injury trial, and this has been extremely informative information. And that's brought on because that's one of the things I spend a lot of time explaining to clients. If we're going to have to file suit and go to trial, they want to know. So right. I figured it as part of the podcast, I would do a series on what to expect in a personal injury trial. Well, in the first episode, you introduced us to the jury selection process. Correct. In the second show, that was a discussion of opening statements. And I know we did take a break. We had a few shows. Uh, one was how to, how, why, to why to even hire right. an attorney. We kind of went all the way back to the beginning. The and many laid, mistakes yep. that can be made without hiring an attorney. We laid some foundation. And then we talked about mediation, arbitration, uh, two fantastic shows. And now we're coming back. Correct. Right? We're going to pick back up on the uh, what to expect in a personal injury trial. So where are we picking back up today? What's the topic? So I want to take the natural flow. You start a trial with the jury selection process. Once the jury's been seated, then you start with opening statements. Both sides will give their opening statement. Again, I'm talking specifically personal injury trials. So I am a plaintiff's attorney, therefore I will start the opening statements. Uh, we talked about how it's an opening statement, not an opening argument. So in the opening statement, you're giving nothing but facts and what you expect or anticipate the trial will present to the jury. Now we're going into what we call uh, direct examination and cross-examination, which is when witnesses take the stand to actually testify at trial. And there are big differences between the two, and I don't think a lot of folks really understand that. They think if you're a witness in a trial, no matter who's asking questions, you're simply being asked about what you know, what knowledge you may have. But the reality is, as my witness, you're going to be on direct exam. I'm asking open-ended questions. I'm going to talk more about that in a second. If you're not my witness, you're a witness presented by the defense or a witness that's being tra treated as a hostile witness, then you will be asked uh, the cross-examination questions. Uh, and again, there's a very big difference between the two. Um, so I want to talk a lot about what you can expect if you are a witness in a personal injury trial. It's very intimidating. Oh, it can be. I think Absolutely. A lot of people even shy away from hiring an attorney because they're afraid if their case goes all the way to trial, they'll be on that stand. Yes. And it's not you as the plaintiff's attorney they're afraid of. It, it's all fear. They are I, afraid right. of what cross-exam is going to look like. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the really the root of it. I don't want to go to trial. I don't want to go to trial. And I'll talk more about it later but uh, in the podcast, but I, I've actually appeared as a witness uh, on more than one occasion. So I can say that I've sat in that seat. I went through direct and I went through cross. So not only am I doing it as an attorney, but I have personally experienced that as an attorney, someone on direct and someone sitting on cross. As an attorney, were you as nervous? An attorney. Well, well, again, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but we'll talk about that. Well, I and I had, I had the experience also. Um, I went as a character witness, mm -hmm. I guess, and in, in support of someone uh, just to speak to their character and got, of course, you get the opportunity to sit on cross and it was very intimidating. So cross I mean, is not intended is. to be pleasant. It's not. Right. And, you know, it's not that I'm hostile or mean or, or argumentative with a witness on the other side, but my job is to get them to provide the information that I want them to provide, which will suit my side of the case. Um, you know, they're there on behalf of the defendant. Again, I'm a plaintiff's attorney. And so I ask the questions purposely to present the evidence with a better spin towards the plaintiff as opposed to the defense. All right, let's jump in 
you've kind of gone over the difference between the two, but I'm going to let you take it a little bit further and start kind of jumping into the meat of it. Yeah, I do want to dive deeper into the differences between the two. So as a general rule, direct examination is is something that should be very open-ended. A question like, what is your name? As opposed to, your name is Lita Brooks, is it not? See the difference? Yes, of course. So if I ask you, where do you live? You're giving me your address. If I say you live at whatever address and and I say, is that true? Isn't that true? Then then I'm only giving you the opportunity to say yes or no. So an open-ended question is a question that asks for a response. A cross-examination question provides the response and is only looking for you to acknowledge or to deny it. But that's what makes it so intimidating because you almost it makes you question where you live. Ask me that again. Yeah. Okay. Where do you live? That's well, that's, a, that's easy. a direct example. Right now, I can say, "Oh, well, I live that," and you yeah. give your now correct. Reverse correct. it. So if I say you live at eleven eleven Main Street in uh, Decatur, Georgia, well, I'm instantly fearful because it, like, oh, okay, is that right? Did he say every? Did he say the right zip code? Because right. if I say yes to this, he's going to catch me. Correct. That's the you're, whole. You're starting to overthink, and that that's true. But that's, that's what, what lot, they want you to do. That's a lot of what, fo- oh, what folks so do scary. on cross examination. Okay. So when you're preparing as an attorney for direct examination, again, these would be my witnesses, witnesses that I'm presenting at trial, wanting them to support my side of the case. The number one thing is to prepare, not just me prepare, but also prepare the witness. I want my witnesses that are coming in to testify on behalf of my client, or actually my client who will also have to testify, I want them to be fully prepared for the information I'm going to cover. A lot of that is things they already know. It's where they live, their name, their age, uh, where do they go to church, where they uh, you know, live and, and work, and, and those kind of things, the day the wreck occurred, if it's a car wreck. Uh, what kind of car they were driving. These are things they have knowledge about. It's not something they're having to memorize because it's something they already know. So I want to make sure they're fully prepared and know what the questions are going to be before we put them on the stand. Next, I want to keep it simple. That's always the main thing. Do not try and and, uh, make your arguments through your clients. Save that for the closing argument, which we'll talk more about that in another podcast. But keep the questions very simple, Uh, not only for the client's sake, but also, too, for the jury's sake, because the jury needs to be able to take notes and understand a very clear flow of what's going on. Another thing that we'll do is use topics. I'm going to start by talking about your background. Let's do that. Uh, Introduce yourself to the jury. What's your name? Where do you live? Yes. How old are you? How long have you lived there? Uh, Do you go to any kind of church? Uh, What's the name of the church you attend? So I'm, I'm creating this person. One of the difficulties that attorneys have is is personalizing their client. As a juror, it's very easy to give some a, a, jur, a verdict, a compensation to someone you know, you identify with. Oh well, oh I've got somebody I know that that is almost exactly like her or him. You've personalized your client. Whereas if you don't personalize them, it's kind of a cold response you might get. Um, Next, again, I, I kind of said personalize the witness, but you want to also make sure you focus on the witness. Keep the, the focus, not only your focus, but the jury's focus on the witness. And that's a lot of body language and courtroom presence. If I'm having somebody on direct examination, I'm not going to stand between the witness and the jury. I'm going to stand off to the side and I'm going to ask a question and immediately let my eyes go to the juror, I mean, to the witness rather, so the jury will follow me and they'll listen and look to them to respond. I don't want the attention. The attention's not for me. It's for my witness providing the information. Um, 
you also too want to make sure that you uh, emphasize the strengths in your case through that witness. If that's someone who was an eyewitness to a wreck, you want to make sure you stay focused on that, what they saw, uh, what they remember about the incident, those kind of things. Now on cross, it's all leading questions. I've already said that, but you need to establish exactly one fact in each question. Isn't it true that you uh, we're driving a 2010 whatever, and that's a yes or no response. Isn't it true that um, your name is Lita Brooks? Isn't that true? You live at this address. Isn't that true? It's one thought at a time. You're not going to do a compound question. Isn't it true that your name is Lita Brooks and you live at whatever address? Because if you say yes, are you saying yes to your name or yes to your address? So you want to do in, in cross-examination one simple thought per question. Okay. So, and, and then finally, too, you need to ensure that your questions lead to specific goals. Take them down a path. I say that all the time when I'm talking to clients. Right? I want to take you down a path in your testimony on, on direct examination. Likewise, on cross-examination, I want to take that witness down a path. I want to get them to admit to things they're not really realizing they're admitting to. Things that provide me an opportunity on closing argument to hammer whatever the, the weaknesses are in their case. Uh, you know, they may admit in cross-examination something they didn't really realize they were saying because the question is word, worded in such a way that, you know, you hate to say it, but they've kind of fallen into a trap to some extent, and they've provided me things that, that will be negative for them and very positive for my client. Huh. This is all very interesting. So, so and let, me, let me kind of say it this way, too. As an attorney... Many times I can get someone to say something they didn't really realize they were saying. And that's a skill so that you sneaky. learn through trial and error. <laughs> no pun intended. Right. But you also, too, <laughs> learn that in, in watching other attorneys. You know, I've learned a ton from being in a courtroom from other attorneys. Uh, some that are extremely good at what they do. Uh, some that uh, sometimes, quite frankly, I think one attorney accidentally really provided himself a great argument on, on, on uh, closing arguments. Uh, I was sitting in on a plaintiff's trial. I was the next trial out and watching their closing arguments, but something that had happened during the trial, I don't think the attorney really realized what he had done in in preparing his case. But when it came to closing argument, he gave himself a, an, an additional argument. I don't think he really realized he was doing because he skillfully did a directed cross-examination of all the witnesses involved. This also, and I'm jumping around, just hang on here. So we had the whole show about why you should hire an attorney. But this is where if, if someone tries to do it pro se, which means they don't have any kind of representation, Correct. this is where you can lose your whole case. And sure. you won't even know it. Because sure. these are very, very, very skillfully led questions. So getting up and having the opportunity to cross-examine a witness and yet you're representing yourself you would have no idea you may know how to just ask a question mm -hmm. um, but, but you would have no idea the skill level that goes behind this and how you're leading and where you're standing and where you're looking and the story that you've painted and sure, uh, sure. yeah so let me let me give Speak you a few more thoughts yes. on that right okay so with that being said there are objections obviously in trial if someone is on direct examination they're your witness you cannot cross them it's a, called a leading question. So if you ask a leading question to someone who's on direct exam and I'm on the other side, I'm going to stand up, objection, Your Honor, there, that's a leading question. The judge is going to say, correct, sustained, you know, re rephrase your question. 
or if they ask a question about facts not in evidence. If they ask a question about something that's not been established, objection, Your Honor, facts not in evidence. Sustained, you need to change your question. It, so as an attorney, again, that's, that's part of creating this picture and walking th someone down a path in direct examination to establish every single fact you need. If, if they never talk about a knee injury, for example, in their direct examination, and you never present medical evidence through any other witness about a knee injury, and that's one of the most important injuries in your car wreck claim, I can't then on closing argument argue about a knee injury. Facts not in evidence. Your Honor, during the course of this trial, we've heard nothing about a knee injury. Now Mr. Hayes is trying to argue a knee injury on cross-examination. You know, there's nothing there to support that in testimony and, and facts presented to the jury or any of the medical expenses or, or medical documentation. They'll say sustained. Mr. Hayes, you need to redirect. And they'll also, too, instruct the jury you cannot consider anything regarding knee injury. There's been nothing about that. So you have to be able to create your case through that direct and cross-examination. One other thing, too, on, on, on direct, as I said, you're not wanting to be the focus of the courtroom. You want the witness to be the focus of the courtroom. Completely different when it comes to cross. When I'm cross-examining a witness, the witness would maybe sitting, well, they will be sitting in the witness stand. I'm not going to stand anywhere close to them. I'm going to stand way over on the other side of the courtroom, the opposite side of the jury box. And I'm going to make sure the jury is focused on me. So I'm going to eyeball, in, in a pleasant way, all the jurors and say, your name is Lita Brooks, is it not? And then I'm going to turn my head directly to you, and all you're going to be able to say is yes. And then I'm going to wait for those jurors to put their eyes back on me. And you live at this address, do you not? And I'm going to look to you. And all you can say is yes. In fact, the day of this wreck, you were driving a 2010 whatever. Isn't that true? And then they're going to look to you. So in reality, I'm doing the testifying. All you're doing is, yeah, 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 that's it. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. And I want to interject some of my little personal story. Okay, so let's say okay. I'm on cross. This is what happened. And I'm a character witness. This was not my trial. Uh -huh. Nothing like that, right? All I was brought in was to say if my friend was a good or a bad person. The first question ask it to me is your name and re reverse it as i'm on cross so you're on cross yes correct okay your name is lita brooks isn't it no because he had my facebook name that's not my legal name okay. and and the answer was no but i instantly threw off the attorney and he was so flustered for all the rest of the questions and then when he asked my address i had moved he didn't know so the that, answers to anything he was asking me everything that, he kept asking no no no. Right. And then he and then he lost his game. And that goes back to preparation. Yeah. So all those questions I would already know the answers to before I put you on the stand. Right. Which is also another important point. As an attorney, and I've said this to you many times, you never ask a question you don't already know the answer to. Period. What I already know can't hurt me. What I don't know can. Period. So if I ask you something on direct examination, a very open-ended question, and you give me information, it should be the information I'm expecting you to tell me because we've already talked about that. You're my witness. That's the exact reason why on cross-examination you don't ask an open-ended question. Because once I open that door and say, well, where were you driving that day? I've opened the door for you to give me a 10-minute answer if you choose to. As opposed to, in your deposition, you testified you were driving to Kroger. Isn't that true? Yes. Because at yes. that point, I already know what you've said. I feel like I'm in the hot seat. But. Right. And so in, in trial, 
if you say something different than what you said in your deposition that may have occurred several months before, it's called impeaching the witness. I can then present to you what your prior testimony sure. was under oath, and now what your different testimony is under oath. And as an attorney, the follow-up question is, were you lying when you testified in your deposition? Or are you lying here today? Oh, it's not lying if you forget. And so though. the other attorney is going to so stand up, objection, Your Honor, argumentative. And, and I'll say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to imply you're lying, which the jury heard the word lie. Right. I'll say, were you mistaken when you testified in your deposition? Or are you mistaken in your testimony here today? But for the jury, they see this big flashing neon sign above your head that says, liar, liar, liar. And it never goes away. So taking the person's deposition prior to their testimony provides me all the answers. So therefore, when you're on the witness stand, I'm never going to ask a question that I don't already know the answer to. Again, it can't hurt me because I'm prepared for it. I'm not prepared for that curveball that comes out of left field because I never asked before. Right. I but in my, my case, it wasn't a deposition type. It needed. Sure, it, sure. You know, and, and you can and, depose witnesses. But I felt like it instantly discredited him. You know, And it right. was it, a male attorney on the other side. Obviously, I, I'm not going to say who it is, but I have no problem sharing that. But because the first few questions were all no's, uh-huh. that was it. That's why he was so flustered. He knew everything coming out of his mouth. It was, it was over sure. at that point. And, and so. then it, it kind of reeks of being unprepared. Right. And a jury, juries will see that. Juries don't want to have to do the work for you, if that makes sense. They would much rather you do the work for them. So when I present a case to a jury, I want to put it all on a silver platter and set it in front of them so their job is a lot easier. So, all right. I was going to ask if you typically pre-write your questions for a witness, but you answered that based on the deposition, you already know the answers. So getting ready for trial, I'm going to assume that that's all part of preparation. Correct. And in pre-writing, it, it makes it all sound scripted. There's nothing wrong with having bullet points that you want to cover, but I'm not the kind that'll script my questions. I want my questions to be natural. A script, you'll be watched by a jury, obviously, and they're going to see you reading. I don't want to read. I want them to listen and make it a conversation almost between myself and that witness. And if I don't know the facts of my case, then I am going to have to fall back on a scripted line of questions. On the other hand, if I know the the case like the back of my hand, I already know what I want to ask before they've answered the last question. I'm ready with the next one. And if they give me a different answer, I've got to be prepared to think on my feet and, you know, adjust my, my next question to make sure that, uh, again, I stay with that natural flow. All right. Are there any tips that you would give your clients before they're going to testify? Because that's the most nerve-wracking part. Everyone listening to this, either they have or they're afraid to, and that would even prevent them from calling an attorney. So what are your best tips for a potential witness? Yes. I always have my clients come in prior to their depositions, prior to trials, to to go ahead and go over what to expect. Uh, Number one is very simple. Tell the truth. It is easier to remember the truth than it is a lie, plain and simple. That lie will never be the same every time you tell it. Tell the truth. Number two, make sure you understand the question before you give your answer. Because if you start to answer, the assumption is you understood what you were being asked. On the other hand, if you didn't really understand what you were being asked, there's no harm in saying, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. Can you repeat the question? Because once you start to answer, it's an expectation that you know what you're responding to. Stay away from uh ahas and uh ahas. It's a figure of speech. We all do it. As a kid, I was always told by my parents, I even told my kids, don't say uh-huh and uh-uh, say yes or no. Yes or no, 
doesn't get confused. In a transcript, uh-huh and uh-uh can be spelled the same way. So when you read back through a transcript, well, is it an uh-huh or an uh-uh? Yes and no are clearly spelled differently. There's no confusion there. I have a bad habit of doing that in life. And again, this court that uh, when I was brought in, I was doing that. But they stopped me every time because the court reporter couldn't translate Correct. that. And then it was they were Is that a yes? Frustrated. Is that I a no? Like, I'm sorry, but you forget, especially it's, it's when you're nervous. It's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you're almost thinking about, is that right? You know, because you're nervous. <laughs> and, and give verbal responses. Uh, you know, head nods, uh, body language does not respond to a question for the purpose of a transcript. And jurors may not see if you're nodding your head in the affirmative or in the negative. So uh, give a verbal response. Here's how they want you to respond. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's no Very confusion clear and there. concise, right. even though you may sound like a robot. Yes, yes. And one of the things I tell my clients, too, is don't look to me to give an answer. You're on the witness stand, not me. So, therefore, if you know that I have the answer sitting right in front of me, you can't say, time out, judge, time out, and run over to the table and say, hey, what's the answer to that? And then run back and sit back in the witness stand and go, okay, time back in. Go ahead. What was your question again? So, with that being said, if you don't know the answer to a question, the answer is I don't know, period. Don't guess, because if you start to guess, you run the risk of guessing wrong. Right. And instead of an attorney saying on the other side, well, they guessed wrong, that's okay. Then you say, well, they lied. Right, that's where that catch comes in. Did you Were you lying here or are you Correct. lying now? And they just guessed. Did you lie you in your deposition or are you lying here today? So if you don't so understand, mean. you let them know. If you didn't hear it, let them know. I didn't hear the question. If you don't know the answer, you don't remember the answer. It's far better to say, I'm sorry, I don't remember or I don't know as can opposed you revert, to guess. If you're a witness, can you revert if you know that you've already answered that in deposition? And maybe it's been a long time. Maybe your deposition was eight months ago and you just can't remember what color uh-huh. shirt you had on that day. Can you say, I've answered this or... Or is it in the notes? Or, I mean, can you revert no, back? No, 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 because you, you did not give those answers in front of the jury. Okay. The jury's there as the trier of fact to understand and, and determine what the appropriate compensation would be for you if they rule in your favor. So the jury's not privy to that depot. They weren't sitting in that, that uh, conference room where the depot was taken. So if you don't remember, more often than not, an attorney's going to say, well, may I present something to you as a witness to refresh your memory? And then they can bring the deposition. Many times I'll do this. If somebody has testified differently in the open courtroom than they did in the deposition, you know, there's a process you go through asking the judge if you can approach the witness, providing to the other side what you're about to show. And then I'll go to you and say, well, I'm showing you what's been marked previously as plaintiff's exhibit number whatever. And I'm going to direct your attention to paragraph here or line number here. I'm going to read the question as I as I read or as I um, ask you in the deposition. Then I want you to read your answer. So I would re-read the question and again that you previously answered in the depot. Then I'd have you read your answer. So if your answer was clearly different in the depot than it was in that open courtroom, the jury's going to hear you saying in your voice two different answers to the same question, which again completely attacks your credibility and leads to the ability to impeach the witness. All right. I heard you use the phrase hostile witness. I'm not certain what that means. So I'm going to let you explain that. So a hostile witness is considered to be an adverse witness, someone who is presented by the other side, or it may be my own witness. If my own witness was a someone who was sitting in an intersection and watched a wreck and told the police officer that my client had a green light and that the other driver had a red light and we get into the courtroom and that witness starts, um, not responding to my questions or being very difficult on the stand 
and confrontational or for whatever reason, not just simply answering the questions, I can ask the judge for permission to treat the witness as a hostile witness. And if the judge grants that because the judge sees that that witness is, is not cooperating and, and responding as they should, then the judge can allow me to treat them as a hostile witness. And so instead of doing cross-examination questions, I can do, I mean, instead of doing direct, rather, I can do cross-examination questions. So I can do leading questions if they're determined to be a hostile witness, even though I presented them. So again, if I present the witness, it's considered direct exam. If the other side presents the witness and I'm asking questions, it's considered cross-exam. But a hostile witness is someone presented by me who does not respond, is very difficult, for whatever reason is not cooperating, the judge can allow me to declare them a hostile witness and then revert from direct exam to cross-exam during the rest of their testimony. All right, be honest. Have you ever had anybody, oh, that in depot, you were like, I just can't wait to get them on the stand. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. So, and again, everybody has their techniques. Um, as, as attorneys, you'll learn what works and you learn what doesn't work. One of the things I like to do, I stay calm. I stay very calm, purposely. Because, I don't think you should give away your secrets. Well, <laughs> this one is one that is a very easy technique to use, no matter what the defense attorney does. If their witness, their, their client, their, their person uh, is quick-tempered and hot-tempered and it's come across in the scene of the wreck, you know, if, if somebody, for example, causes a wreck and then has the nerve to yell at my client that they've just hit and injured in a car wreck at the scene, then that's somebody that's hot-headed, hostile. There are a lot of people like that. So I love to be able to push those buttons and make them angry. Because if I can make them angry in the deposition, I've made many people angry in their depositions by staying very calm and asking questions I know that are pushing their buttons. And then likewise, when I get them in front of a jury, then at that point, if they show hostility, anger, uh, if they're um, disrespectful to me or to the judge or the courtroom, then the jurors are not going to like that person. Right. And it comes across in, in the verdict, and it has. Uh, I, I can't tell the specifics, sure. but I did have a, client, a, a defendant one time that I knew some very good information from me about his background. He didn't know that I knew that because I'd done my research. I found out a lot about this this gentleman. And so when he was in his depot, I asked him some questions. He had no idea that I knew this about him. And it immediately touched those buttons. And he stood up from the table. He pointed a finger at me and said some choice words. And I never changed my demeanor. I never changed my the volume of my voice. And uh, it was all videotaped. We had videoed that deposition. So obviously the defense attorney knew that, again, I had set his client off, and it was all called on video. And even the words he said to me and the finger pointing and, and to some extent a threat. So that case settled within a week after that depot. Wow. They did not want to put that guy on a witness stand knowing full well that I could present that video and, to the jury. That would be it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wow. You're such a good attorney. Um, All right. I know we're running short on time, but I have one more really important question. What do you think is the biggest mistake that people make when testifying? Um, trying to outsmart the attorney, the judge, or the jury. In other words, people think there's a perfect answer I need to give to every question that's going to be the best answer I can possibly give. And so I'm going to think about this for a second. I'm going to give that answer that is worded exactly the way it should be, and I'm going to outsmart that attorney that's trying to ask me these questions, or outsmart that judge, or outsmart that jury. 
and they try and overthink things as opposed to simply responding to a question. Would they try to oversay it? Do they get really long-winded? I love nothing more than for a person to tell me more than they should. And it happens all the time, especially in depots. When they say a little bit, so again, techniques we use, silence is an extremely good technique. If you're on the witness stand and I ask you a question on cross-examination, and you give the response, and I stay quiet for a second, purposely, and I kind of fumble through my papers purposely, people that are being asked questions suddenly start panicking. Oh, wait a minute. What, what's he doing? Maybe I need to say something more. And then they start talking. And they, at that point, usually say more than they ever should. And you can almost see they're turning on the other side cringing because they're thinking, no, stop, stop. Don't say anything else. And that's when you learn a lot that, that, again, quite frankly, they should never have said. You get them nervous. Yeah. yeah. Get and, them mad and get them nervous. Correct. Correct. And what I want to say, I do want to touch on one last point. Yeah. Um, you know, you, we talked about cross and direct, me personally. So I testified twice now as an expert in personal injury cases, uh, in, in uh, malpractice cases where attorneys had handled claims and were being sued by former clients. And I was brought in as an expert to testify about personal injury work and what they, uh, you know, the, the process we go through. So on direct examination, I was simply being asked, what do you do? You know, when you initially sign up a case, what letters do you send? What correspondences do you send? So I'm basically talking about my job, what I do. It's very simple. It's stuff I know. I do it every day of my life. On cross-examination, the defense attorney for the attorney who is being pursued in this malpractice case was trying to cross-examine me to say there are other ways to do the same job that I do. So I had to be prepared to know exactly what to expect on cross. And I had to also to maintain my uh, composure. And when he asked an open-ended question, like you said, there's not, I mean, not an open-ended, but a, a cross-examination question, there's nothing better throwing an attorney off their rhythm than to say no when they're expecting a yes. Because I then can explain more often than not, why it's a no. Yes. You're in, well, isn't it true that you do this? Well, no, it's not. And here's why. Right. And suddenly I've taken away from them the power of testifying to that jury. They're thinking it's me testifying. That guy over there, all he's going to do is shake his head and say yes or say no. But when I start taking away from them the ability to testify from that, to that jury and I'm testifying and I'm maintaining their attention, it's when they, again, you throw them off the rhythm, they lose their composure, and you start taking away the power that comes with cross-examination. That's exactly what happened in question number one. And, and what happened is he asked my, is your name Lita Perry Brooks? No, it's not. That's, That's not a Facebook your legal name. name. That's not yeah. my name. That's not what's on my driver's license. Uh -huh. And I had to submit my driver's license. So anyway, and, and, and it went on and on from there. So yes, I understand. And it was... It was interesting, I will say. I didn't have any really feelings anyway, because, again, I was just there to, to speak to someone who I was friends with, but um, speak about them. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it was very interesting. But your tactics, you've been in this, you know, 25 yeah. years. I just, I think it's all fascinating. I love the knowledge part of it. And um, anyway, do you have any interesting, one last interesting story about a witness or anything you can throw out there? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, I will use one from a courtroom one time. I uh, went into a courtroom. For a trial, personal injury trial, and I purposely carried three empty boxes along with the one box that had all my trial material. 
So I had three empty, we call them bankers boxes, but they're legal boxes too. Uh, the lids on it. So nobody knew that they were empty. And I picked them up as if they were heavy. I put them down on the floor as if they were heavy. And I had my one box that truly had my trial material in there. And so when somebody was on the witness stand and I was cross-examining the witness, this was not a car wreck, this was a different kind of case. Uh, when I was cross-examining the witness, he gave an answer. And I immediately lifted the lid like I was looking into the, one of the boxes for something that he was thinking, uh-oh, I just gave a wrong answer. He's about to pull something out and prove that I said something wrong. And guess what? He opened his mouth and he gave me a little bit too All much. Of the and I had nothing in that box. Absolutely nothing. But in having, again, it's it's kind of the theatrics of a courtroom. Yeah. It's the strategy. It's the gamesmanship. It's all those things that go into it. And so on cross-examination, with simply pulling an empty box up and putting it on the table and pretending to be looking through it, again, there's nothing in there. Suddenly he thought, uh-oh, I need to say something more. And he did. And he said a lot more than he ever should have. Wow which opened the door to um, some information that, that uh, played very well in my client's favor. Well, Derek, we have to wrap it up. Thank you so much for all your information, for your, your law degree, your expertise, and the fact that you will share all of it with us. Um, I hope everybody learned a lot. I know that I did, and even more so learning why we absolutely need to hire an attorney and specifically need to hire you if you are hurt, injured, uh, there's a lot that you cover, and I'm going to let you take it from here. Tell everybody, you know, what's your expertise, what you cover, how they can find you, and how you can submit a question for the podcast. Sure. Well, again, it's all about preparation. The most prepared attorney is going to win every time. I've said that for many, many years. I want to know your case better than you do, and I want to know my case better than anybody else could. So with that being said, though, you can always reach out to me through my website. It's Derek, D-E-R-E-K, the letter M as in Matthew, and then Hayes, H-A-Y-S. So DerekMHayes.com. On my website, you'll see a chat feature that'll pop up. You can uh, submit a question directly. We'll respond directly to you. You can go to uh, the Contact Me tab and, and send me an email specifically about uh, your case, uh, whatever your case may be, the facts involved in it. I'll be the one to read it. I'll be the one to respond. I'll be the one to call you. You'll talk directly to me. Uh, you can also see the podcast tab there. You can click submit a question for a future podcast or a topic idea. I'm happy to cover any. And most of the, the podcast I've had were either suggested by people that are clients currently or others that have simply gone and submitted a question there through the podcast tab. Uh, also, too, you can listen to all the prior podcasts. My social media, it's Law Office of Derek M. Hayes on Facebook, also on Twitter and Instagram. So find me any of the ways through social media, through my website. My phone number is 404-777-HURT or 678-225-0970. Also, too, I will say that uh, I do practice here primarily in Georgia. Uh, but I'm not limited to the confines of Georgia. I've got cases that have come to me throughout the country. Just recently had one in federal court in Pennsylvania, one in federal court in Tennessee. And so if there is a question about a specific case, whether you're here in Georgia or not, by all means, feel free to reach out th to me through my website or simply call my office. 
All right. Thank you so much for joining us on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes, presented by Status Home Design and the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Don't forget that you can enjoy any of these episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. This program is also available on Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until next time, for Derek Hayes, I'm Lita Brooks, and you've been listening to Injury Insider on Business Radio X. What was that word? Uh, what word? To what? What? Did you say utes? Yeah, two utes. What is a ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. <laughs>